tonight all I'm going to do is set up what we're doing for the next six weeks. Most of this will probably not be news to you. It could be that nothing that we share from the front is uh, news to you. For us, the big key with what we're trying to do here is to begin to work this information into our life. For most of us, the issues that we have in following God are much less that we don't know enough. It's that we don't do enough with what we know. And so the small group element is a key for us. We assigned you all the tables. There was no, it wasn't necessarily strategic. We just, we put people at tables. Um, Each table has a facilitator, someone we ask to facilitate discussion. Again, the small group group discussion is the key for us. There's a couple of ground rules going in that we will remind you of. Some of you talk a lot and you know who you are and you need to try to not talk a lot. Some of you don't talk at all, and you need to talk. Both of those things distort the this, this small group dynamic. If somebody talks too much, it distorts. If somebody doesn't talk enough, it distorts. If you talk too much, you're robbing other people of the opportunity to share. If you don't talk at all, you're robbing the group of your insight and what the Lord may speak through you. So your facilitators are empowered to call you out. So if you never, if you don't talk, They're going to ask you a question. You can say, I don't know, but you at least need to participate in the discussion. And they might also say, give somebody else a chance to answer. Nobody likes having to say that, so the best thing would be for those of you who know you tend to talk a lot, just to self-censor a little bit. That would be wonderful for all of us. Be honest in your discussions. We're not looking for Sunday school answers. What's said at your table, that's considered a small group. Y'all don't need to go sharing what is said at the tables. Keep it there. And so you need to feel safe being honest uh, about these questions. Some of these things may hit you at a deep level. Some of these things may not. And just, again, we don't, we're not looking for the right answer, some type of Sunday school thing. We want you to be honest about where you are, where you're struggling. As we move through the six weeks, we'll probably take some time to pray for one another around the tables. We won't do that uh, tonight, probably not next week either, until we get to know each other. A little bit. So that's small groups with some guidelines. Overall, idea being led. uh, We want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14 says, He who is led by the Spirit of God is a son or a daughter, a child of God. And that's what we're all looking for. We want to be secure in our identity as children of God. Uh, To me, that's one of the fundamental issues that many of us have in terms of really being confident following Jesus is we're not secure in our identity so it causes us to strive or to fear in a lot of ways and if we can kind of nail down this whole idea of what it looks like to be led by the spirit it actually that's a doing thing but it has a being uh, result in our life it helps confirm in our hearts that we truly are children of God Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit Luke 4 1 says full of the Holy Spirit Jesus uh, came back and he was led by the spirit into the desert uh, I think in week five, we'll talk about where the Holy Spirit leads us and why he leads us places like deserts. And we'll look at some of that. Paul says in Galatians five twenty-five that since we live by the Spirit, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. So throughout the New Testament in particular, there's this theme, be led by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. And so that's what we're trying to get at. My goal for all of us this six weeks is if you would feel, if you're like, I'm a zero, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. I've never been led by, I don't know, then it would be for you to be a one in six weeks. If you're a nine and you're, you know, I'm led, God tells me what clothes to wear every day and what to eat for breakfast, and if that's you, then I want you to be a ten. 
when you leave. We want everybody just to take one growth step between now and the end of the time. And again, there's not, this isn't elementary school, graduate, it's none of that. We all are where we are. God works in each of our lives in his own unique way, in his own unique timing. There's not a sense of who's ahead and who's behind. You don't need to feel any of that type of uh, pressure or expectation. Wherever you would peg yourself on the scale, just that's fine. We just want to see everybody take a growth step. That's, the, that's fruit for me, and that's fruit for us. And again, the way for that to happen, I think, is honest discussion around your tables. There will be homework every week. It's not Beth Moore type stuff. It's, it's pretty easy, uh, but it does require some intentionality. And I think if you'll, if you'll do the homework during the week, you'll, that's where you'll see the growth. And then what this becomes is a place to check in almost as accountability. This is what God showed me this week about what I've been doing. So that's uh, led. That's kind of where we're headed. Two thoughts for tonight. That's all I've got. Two pictures I want you to keep in mind. If we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit, we need to trust him. If we're going to trust him, it helps to have some personal knowledge of who he is. So this week and next week, we're going to talk a little bit about who he is. We obviously can't even scratch the surface in two weeks, but we're going to begin to do that. Two phrases I want you to keep in mind in terms of who the Holy Spirit is. One, he's the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit's the third person of the Trinity. The two key words there, person. The Holy Spirit's not a force. He is a he. He is not an it. It's difficult for us to grab onto that sometimes. For some of you who are raised in the King James Version of the Bible, the Holy Ghost, that doesn't sound personal. Um, the pictures in the Bible, wind, fire, water, oil, none of those are personal images. And so we get Father, whether you have a good one or a bad one, you get Father. We get Jesus because he was like us. He became a man. It's difficult for us to get Holy Spirit as a person. A lot easier to see him as an it or as a force or as wind or these types of things. That's the first thing that I want you to grab onto and chew on for the next six weeks is the Holy Spirit is a person the same, and he's the third person of the Trinity. And so what that means is he is, he is co-equal with Father, Son. There's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, not Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're co-equal, one God, three persons. So for us, the takeaway is the things that you can say about the Father and the things that you can say about the Son, you can also say about the Spirit. So if you want to say the Father is kind, well, then so is the Spirit, and so is the Son. If the Father is just, then so is the Son, and so, and so is the Spirit. Just like you're one person, you've got one nature, you have one character, that's not correct, but if you hear what I'm saying, you have one set of attributes. God also has one set of attributes that are equally true of all three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so while it's difficult for us to maybe connect with him on a personal level, if Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You could also say, well, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Spirit. And so for us, a lot of times, Jesus is the easiest one to connect with. And so when you look at him in terms of his character, ascribe all of those same characteristics to the Holy Spirit. He's patient. He's kind. He's loving. He's forgiving. He's righteous. He's holy. All of those. He's the Holy Spirit is all of those things. So he's the third person, not force, the third person of the Trinity, which means what you can say about Father and Son, you can say about Spirit in terms of character and attributes. So for some of us, we have this image of the Holy Spirit as weird, 
or as me. He's going to cause he's going to cause me to do things that I don't want to do, or he's going to make me do crazy things. Or again, just this sense of Star Wars. He's the force, and we just kind of want to be on the right side of the force, and he'll help us get some things done. Both of those are all of that's uh, distorted. Third person of the Trinity. Second thing I would say is he is the executor of God's will. So those are the only two things that I really want you to pull away tonight. Third person of the Trinity, executor of God's will. So the father does what you kind of think a father does. He's sitting on a throne in heaven, and he's kind of calling the shots. The son we know came to earth as a man, lived, died, resurrected. The Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity who I would say again executes God's will now. Um, The Bible in the New Testament teaches that the father and the son both send the spirit to us. And so anything that God does in you, anything that God does through you, anything that God does on the earth is done by the Holy Spirit. So even if you would say, I don't have, I'm a zero out of ten in terms of comfort with knowing him. If you're a Christian, he already lives within your heart. He's the one that drew you to Jesus. He's the one that convicted you of your sin. When you feel like God is speaking to you, it's the Holy Spirit doing that. If you feel like you've read the Bible and there's been, oh, a light's come on, the Holy Spirit's the one who has illuminated your mind in those things. When God, just as a general statement, when God acts now, he acts exclusively through his spirit. The Bible seems to say the Father is in heaven, the Son is in heaven at his right hand, and the Spirit is the person of the Trinity who is actively moving among us uh, as people. And so we've got third person of the Trinity, so in that sense, person, Trinity, just same things you say about the Father and Son, you say about him in terms of character, and executor of God's will. That's what he does. That's what distinguishes him from Father and Son. It's, it's his work, it's his function, it's his role in God's plan. And it's, to, again, to execute God's will on the earth. So let me give you two metaphors that we're going to run through, two contrasts that we're going to use for the next six weeks. One is driven versus led, or led versus driven. I think that gets to this whole idea of the Holy Spirit being a person. And as a person, he leads us, he doesn't drive us. And I'm using drive in a negative way and led in a positive way. When I think of being led, I think there's somebody out front, they've gone before me, they've kind of cleared a path, and they're saying, come on. They're not forcing, they're not coercing, they're not manipulating, they're inviting. They may be strongly urging but they never violate my will. They don't force. That's this kind of this. It's a it's a relational piece there, relational influence. Come on, this is the way. Walk in it. Let's go. Let's do this. That to me is this picture of being led. Picture of being driven to me is negative. It's uh, somebody's behind, oftentimes with a whip or a belt or a club or yelling or something, saying go 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 go. It's It's task-focused. It produces anxiety versus peace in our hearts. Um, There's this sense, if I don't make it, if I don't reach the goal, if I don't accomplish, I've somehow let some people down. That's what we want to move away from. And we live in a driven society. And the most popular religious book of all time, no knock on him at all, is the purpose-driven life, not the purpose-led life. There's some people coming in. Will you let them in? So so for us, we want to keep that image of being led versus um, being driven. Some things that can drive you, fear, fear of failure, 
fear of being a bad mom, husband, employee, employer, whatever. Fear of being bad, fill in the blank. Fear of being poor, that can drive. Fear of just about anything can drive. Insecurity can drive. Um, Greed, envy, kind of trying to keep up, that can drive. Expectations from other people, that can drive us. Trying to please other people, that can drive us. All of those things can drive us. And if we're being driven, then by definition, we're not being led. So over the next six weeks, we want to kind of begin to separate those two things. And what my bias, my assumption is everybody in the room is you're being led in some areas of your life and you're being driven in others. I don't know that any of us would say 100% Monday through Sunday, I'm led in every area by the Spirit. I also don't know that any of us are being driven in in every area of our life 100% of the time. For some of us, we're fine being led by the Spirit when it comes to moral matters, but we're not, but we're driven when it comes to financial matters because we, we feel fear there. What if I'm poor? What if I don't have enough? Or we're driven by greed in those areas. We may be fine being led by the Spirit in certain relationships, but we feel driven in others. I, I can never make my mom happy or I can never live up to my dad's expectations or whatever that is. So a lot of times, it's again, it's not a blanket led, driven. It's trying to discern in these different areas of my life Where am I being led? That's wonderful, positive reinforcement. But also, where am I being driven? And to begin to identify those areas so you can begin to invite the Lord to lead you in those areas. So that's our first picture, being led versus being driven. Second picture, sailboat, rowboat. Uh, We want to be sailboats. We want to, John 3 talks about the Holy Spirit. This picture is wind. You also see that in Acts 2. And we want to be um, blown, for lack of a, we want to be powered by the wind of the Spirit. And that's what a sailboat does. It sets up a sail and the wind moves it forward. We don't want to be a rowboat where we're having to use our own strength to get from A to B. Um, Again, I would say none of us are all one or all the other. There's some areas of our life where we're fine allowing the Spirit to be the power source for us, to empower us and to move us along. And by that, I don't mean that we don't do anything. I'm not a great... don't sail, but my understanding is you've got some work to do to set the sail up so it catches the wind and moves you. You're not just sitting on the deck of the boat. And that's we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So I'm not saying to be a sailboat means you don't do anything. You just sit on your couch and literally expect the Holy Spirit to blow your couch around wherever you're supposed to be. That's not it at all. But there's a difference between cooperating with him and working in your own strength. All of you have probably paddled something before. You paddled a canoe or something, and it's not, it's hard. It's really hard work. And that's, again, I think depending on the area of our life, we can default one way or the other. What many of us tend to do is we go to God to say, where's the destination? Where do you want me to go? And then we pick up the paddles and we start paddling ourselves there. Instead of saying, okay, this is where you want me to go. Can you help me get there? And that's, the, again, that's just kind of the American part of us. It's, yes, I want to know where you want me to go, and then I'm, I'll make it happen. You just got to show me what the destination is. And again, I would say that's probably not across the board, but in specific areas of your life, you're probably more prone to being a rowboat than you are to being a sailboat. And that's something else over the next six weeks that we want to kind of begin to parse that apart and figure out where are the areas where you're 100%, yes, I'm a sailboat, I allow 
the Holy Spirit to empower me in these areas, in these times? And then where the where are the times where you tend to take on the oars and try to get there on your own? So led versus driven, that's one picture we're going to carry through for the next six weeks. Rowboat versus sailboat, that's another picture we're going to carry through for the next six weeks. Um, y'all are about to do a little act group activity. Normally all this would be done on the front end. We flip-flopped the schedule uh, tonight. And then you'll jump into your small group discussion. The questions, just honestly, they start pretty deep because um, we only have six weeks. So uh, just be honest about the questions, as honest as you however com- However comfortable you are being honest, take one step past that. Be one step more vulnerable than maybe you're comfortable with on the first week. It'll help get everything moving because, again, that's where you're going to actually see some growth and some transformation. So takeaways, third person of the Trinity, executor of God's will. Am I, where am I a sailboat? Where am I a rowboat? Where am I being driven? And where am I being led? And those Begin to think through those things over the next six weeks. Hopefully you can get some clarity there and move ahead. So let me pray, and then Kim will come back up and take you all into the next thing. Lord, I do thank you for everybody here. I thank you for their willingness to come. For some people, this is literally the first thing that they have done uh, with this church. And they walk in, or there are these tables and these weird names on the table. And we thank you for the, I thank you for those folks particularly, for their courage in coming tonight, not turning around and walking out the door uh, when they walked in. And I pray that around these tables that you would gel these groups quickly, that people would connect at a heart level, that there would be a real sense of transparency and vulnerability. Lord, I pray that you you speak to the body, through the body, and my prayer is that you would speak uh, to the folks at these tables, through the folks at these tables, God, that um, there would be encouragement, there would be comfort, there would be strengthening. God, I pray none of us are 10 out of 10 at this, and my prayer is that for each of us that we would take a step um, toward being led more completely by your Spirit. God, for some of us, this is, this is all new. And Lord, I pray that you would lead us gently into this process. For others, they've been doing this for a while. It's a matter of refining, and I pray uh, for, the, you, for the humility to recognize where we don't have it all together and where we do need to grow. God, I pray the areas where we're driven, that we would relax and let you lead us. And I pray for the areas that we tend to, where we're rowing, that we would let go and say, God, you send the wind for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.